So welcome, and welcome to you wherever you are. Well, this morning <clears throat> I want to um, continue on where I left off about two weekends ago. And I went to the book of Revelations, chapter 13. And of course we know the world today is not the same world that we knew and grew up in a lot of us. Um, very chaotic. We know there's a lot of things that are not happening, uh, or not right, that's happening. Uh, things that we believe that now give us a lot more understanding about biblical prophecy. And I guess before this, not many preachers really touched Revelations, um, the book of end times. But I remember uh, as a young Christian, uh, back in the late 70s, that um, that was much of the dining <clears throat> for us new Christians in those days because we were looking for every bit of understanding of the world we're in, and particularly when you saw calamities and all sorts of disasters or or the world was going wrong, that we are trying to attach. Is this the coming of the Lord? Is this the end times? And are we getting near the end of days? And of course, that's back in the late 70s. Well, here we are today in 2021. And these are a few years gone by. But I somehow believe deep in my heart, like many others, that we are in end times. There's no doubt about it. I believe that we're in extreme end times, actually. Because there are things happening on our planet now that I guess the most hardened unbeliever uh, would not have believed uh, 24 months ago. But now I'm meeting people who don't even believe God and are asking, is this the end times that you guys talk about coming? Um, what's, what's happening to the world? And so most people will turn to the advice or the evidence of the medical profession, scientists, and um, uh, other people who are commentators, theorists, and all sorts of educators and professors and so forth. And they are valid. But you know what? The Bible, God's Word, has a lot to say about where we are today. In fact, it has a lot more to say about what's happening today. It's already said it. The Bible's already given us an insight into the future. Sometimes it just needs a little bit of interpretation, revelation to it. And that's what I want to do this morning, the time I have with you. I want to just go on from the talk I gave about the mark of the beast. And I talked about these uh, vaccine certificates. I talked about the passport certificates or the passport, vaccine passports. And all those things that are leading on to eventually getting a biochip or something that's got all your information and your data, the size of a grain of rice seed, that size, that can be slipped under your skin. In fact, the word mark in Revelations 13 means in the Greek, a scratch. So it actually is talking about piercing the human skin and actually it's, it's even more accurate. It says under your right hand. They can easily slip it in there. Now my pig dogs, I own pig dogs, I like hunting. I've been chipping my dogs, and a lot of us have, for a long time. A little chip that we insert just by injecting it underneath the, the neck of the skin on the dog, and all that information, plus a little bit of mine. Now, if I had known that, I might have been a bit more aware of what I was revealing and giving off my personal information. But now, these chips are so sophisticated because technology and the industrial world has moved on. You understand it now that they've got all sorts of technology in the digital worlds upon us, in the world of drones, um, they're able to take now um, the technology advancement, and now they're beginning to mingle it or intersplice it with biology, taking something that's the technical or the digital, and now intermingling it with the human. So they have the ability to now reshape, re-identify, and represent something that is maybe not all human. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's akin to what I want to talk a bit about today and give you understanding that there is something very, very dangerous going on, uh, but it's veiled from a lot of people. So I'm giving revelation today of what God says about this. And I thank you for all the medical people, the scientists, professors, the theorists, and everybody else. But that's what people go to when they don't know what God says about it. So I want to read a few passages today from the scriptures give you understanding, and then I can just talk freely about a couple of these things, and we'll see how we go. So the first one's from 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, 
and I'll read that to you because you're sitting in your lounge with popcorn watching. Probably haven't got a Bible or anything like that. That's okay. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, Now the Spirit expressly says, and this is the Holy Spirit, says that in the latter times, so we're talking about these days, some will depart from the faith. So if you're taking note, one, this is what you're going to see now. A lot of people are going to actually leave the Christian faith. Um, hard to believe. I would have thought that people would press into God, particularly those who have walked with him for a long time. But I'll read another scripture to show you about the great apostasy. And the great apostasy is about to happen, or is happening. The word apostasy means a falling away, a, a, def, a de, um, fiction from the faith, where people are going to give it up, um, backsliding, I guess I could say it, or for some reason maintain a type of religion, faith, and join the enemy. That's the other thing about it. So I'll talk about that in a moment. But it says here in latter times that many will depart from the faith. One of the first things I want to give to you right now, you shall never leave Jesus Christ. I don't care what anybody says to you, what, what a friend or a person or a child, your grandparent or your grandchildren or some preacher or some doctor or scientist. I don't care who it is or your own crazy head. Right? So you've got to watch everything around you and about you. If anything gets you to go backwards in Christ, you ought to turn to it and rebuke it immediately. That would be the most important thing that you can do. The most important action you can take is to keep yourself connected, bonded, and understanding and growing in Christ. Right? Because in latter days, the spiritual intensity from demons is going to go up a notch. You thought it was bad before. They actually didn't because the enemy had ease. When people were living in comfort in the old world, the world of greed, the world of making money, the world of doing business, the world of material possessions. Come on, don't turn the camera off. <laughs> I'm talking about the things that, you know, really are our gods. Jesus only mentioned one ancient god by name in the New Testament. He left out Chemosh, he left out um, Magog, he left out Dagon, he left out Molech, he left out a heap. He only named one. And he called it by its ancient name. And he said, Mammon. That's the one. He only said one. He said, you either serve God or Mammon. Now, that's an incredible statement from Christ because he was actually bringing an ancient God's name into a current or present situation. And he was talking to the rich people, the business people, and those who had a love for money before God. And he even put this Mammon the name of this spirit, which is, Mamma means money, lovers of money. He actually put it equal with God, was almost Mammon versus God. That's a pretty big thing to do, because we know God's all-powerful. But he brought Mammon into, you say you either serve God or you serve Mammon. Now you have to understand for him to bring the only ancient name, he identified it by its history and by its actual prominence and power, over people's lives. So I want to say right now, in the room here, to be in the lens, how, do you, does money have you, or do you have money? It's the difference. If money has you, you're in trouble. And I know a lot of Christians that have trouble with this too. They cash in God and, and serve mammon. In fact, money's going to be a key part in end times. So you're going to hear what I'm saying. Um, governments that have gone wrong, governments that are evil, socialist governments, the governments we have now, across the globe, they're going to move money into a position to know that Mammon, that God, the God of money, has a huge hold on many people's hearts. And so this great falling away is going to come about by the God of the Mammon, the God of money. So I'm putting a warning out to you right now, you better have a divorce between you and your love of your money and material things and your business. I'll give you an example, and I don't want anybody to feel guilty. If you've taken a jab, or two, or three, I just want to say this. When you initially were approached to take the vaccine, was it really the fear of the virus, or were you fearing losing your business, losing your job, and losing your livelihood? I understand about anybody who'd be forced against their own will to make 
a decision to take a jab for the money. And you look, I, I know, I mean, hey, I've got workers. I mean, I've talked to, I've, I went to investigate this, this theory or this thought or actually this truth. And I found most of my talk to didn't really want the jab because they knew the vaccine had no promises of cure. In fact, it didn't protect you at all. You still could catch COVID and you would transmit it. And also, they had a, probably a little hesitation about what is in that, that vaccine. It hasn't been proven, tested until 2023 to get the first uh, understanding or knowledge of what's in the vaccine. And Pfizer is holding the whole data uh, record of the vaccine until 2076. Sorry, most of us will be gone. Here, remember? <laughs> 2076. 2076! I'll be 100 and... Yeah, I might make it if I keep living like this. 106 or something, or 7. I'll be 107. Then they're going to come and say, well, here's what was in that rubbish that I put on all you fellas' veins. Too late then. You know? So, do you understand what I'm saying? No, I'm going to something more deeper. Than that. I don't want to hook up on that. So, most took the jab because you actually needed the money. I'm going to say something because it's better late than never. It's better now because everything can be turned around. It's nothing too late if you're hearing me. If you did that, you need to reconsider that if you took a vaccination against your own will, your freedom of choice, that's what we're standing for. I stand for the freedom of being able to choose for me. You chose for you, but sometimes we can choose to do the wrong thing. And so I'm informing you that if you made a decision to take a vaccine and you didn't want to, or you had hesitations, then you should not take any more jabs. And then you need to, you need to sit down and you ought to take stock of where is money in your world. Does it have you? If it doesn't have you, you know that money needs to be used. Yes, we needed to pay the bills, your mortgage and that, but don't worry about that because you may be facing different issues about money than mortgages and trying to pay for your material possessions because where we're going, you're going to lose your power over your money anyway. The money is only a way of connecting you to what you worship and that'll take you automatically into the power of a very evil person, a global ruler who will suppress and oppress and, and murder millions. And the track and the path to that is actually allowing this mammon, this God, I mean, I need to get off this so I can get into the main stuff. So this God, this money God does not have you. I think New Zealand's major problem has been mammon. Now you know the name because Jesus brought it up, the ancient devil. He's been around for a long time and he's deceived many people with a fundamental necessity of having to be in a place of getting food, having shelter and clothing. But Jesus says, I will give you those things. You don't need to worry about a house, clothing, and food. Remember, Jesus talked about the sparrow. The sparrow finds its food. It goes, and it goes everywhere and makes a house, and the house you have to pay the mortgage on. The little sparrow uses your house that you're in debt to, and he hops in there free and makes a house in your gutter or in a place in your house for free. He picks up the food that we chuck away and he eats. I'm not saying we're going to be beggars and using other people's things that they're paying for. But your faith needs to be like the sparrow who knows that God will supply for his need. The problem is you're not trusting God. Okay, so you got that? Nice hearty yes in the room? Because I haven't had a church, I've had a church meeting for a long time. <laughs> they give me a smile here. So, um, you know, have money. Money's not evil. The love of it is. Money ain't evil. I, I, I use it. People accuse me of, of course I need it. They accuse me of misusing it and taking it. I need money, but money doesn't have me. That's probably what they're jealous of. Have all the things you need. There is no problem. God doesn't mind giving his princes palaces. He makes kings and he gave Joseph and, and Abraham was very rich and Jesus had gold laid around his, his cradle when he was a baby. So that's not the problem. Money ain't the problem. It's your heart. So use it to bless people, to get what you need. If it goes, it doesn't bother me, you see. My decisions aren't made on money, you see. When it comes down to it, my decisions are made on what God wants me to do and people's lives 
and having his will done. That's what matters to me. I use money to get that happening. If you can have money and you can have plenty of it, then you get comfortable. Have much, but give much. Make others comfortable. Help others come to it. But teach others to undo and untie themselves from the slavery that you need to make money, get money, to be good and comfortable in life. Damn good message. Okay. That's a good message. Let's have a clap on a Kumaika Paki Paki. Well, we better get into this thing, otherwise we're going to have you sitting here too long, right? So that's the first thing there. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed, look at this, to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies, hypocrisies, searing their own conscience with a hot iron, and all this sort of stuff. So what I wanted to just get your attention on there was that there's going to be this flood of demonic activity. You, you can't try and run away or dodge it. You've got to be able to face it. Every believer knows... So I think the believers need to shore themselves up for end times. So we're in the end times, and now you know what God's doing? I'm preaching to the people. I love this. But I'll go back to the lens because I've got you too. These are end times, but God is raising up an end time people. You got that? He's raising up an end time people. What does an end time people look like? Do you think you're in the end time people? I might be talking to a person who's a who's a Christian and has been going to church, you could be a destinyite. We'll need to answer that in a moment because just because we go to a certain church doesn't mean to say that you could be an end time uh, people. So what about those that are not? I don't believe, uh, am I an end time person? Well, you could be. See, I'm going to explain to you and help you understand who's going to be a part of the end time people. Now, you know what? You want to be. You don't want to be a part of the um, last time people. <laughs> you know, or, or just coming into something you don't know about, but it's about the end time people. So I'm going to talk about that today. I want to go to another passage of scripture, and I've read a bit. I'll read this one to you because it's in 2 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 2. And I'm going to read it because I'll get up, give you understanding. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is actually talking to his church about end times. He, he gave his people at least some information or revelation on end time so they knew what to do in the now. So all the nans are here, all the nannies are here, you're alive because God still wants to use you. And your relevance, because, I mean, you must be have something. Who's in their 80s here? Oh, there we go. Wow. Hey. So we've got plenty in their 70s, most of you guys in your 70s, 60s. Oh, okay. I don't want to reveal my age. <laughs> you all know? Yeah, we all know, yeah. I'm in the 60s too, early 60s. So, so our relevance, because if you're alive, God wanted you alive. Believe me, if you're, if you're, if you're going to be dead, you know, you'll be dead. And the devil would take you out and rather have you alive. So God keeps you alive. Like, who was it? Was it Caleb who said, the Lord has kept me alive? For all these years, I've gone through all that rubbish he said to his, um, his, his colleague, Joshua. And he said, Joshua, you're the leader, but I've been doing work with you, and I've been around you and hung around you. And he said, 80 years we've been fighting. And he said, now it's my time. Oh, I love that. He said, give me my mountain. Give me the inheritance that we have. And Joshua said, yep, you've been a faithful brother. And so he said to um, Caleb, Go ahead and take your family, your brothers, and your army, and let's you go and get your mountain, your inheritance. He's talking about his family. He's talking about his children, his kids. He's talking about the fight he's in, the fight of freedom, the fight of faith. Okay. So as the apostle comes and he says these things. He says, Now, brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together uh, to him, we ask you not too soon, to be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit. There you go. None of us should really be Christians, should not be going, oh, what's happening? And I'm scared. And the moment we do that, we join the rest that we're trying to save and put peace in their heart. Never get afraid. Two things the enemy will use on you. One I read to you, deceiving, lies, deceiving spirits and lies. That's all. And that's all the enemy's using now in a population is fear. Fear and lies, deception. Fear is the other one, sorry. Lies and deception is the other one. 
That's only two. So the deception is to make you feel that you're not who you are. Every day you wake up, you wake up like it was God waking up himself. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? It's about as best as I can put it. Now I'll have to come back down the ladder for a lot of Christians who struggle with that and definitely unbelievers. So we'll go down to the bottom of the rung. At least wake up knowing that you are somebody special because God made you, got you here, and you're alive for 60, 50 plus years, there must be something of use for you. Man, I never wake up losing. I never wake up feeling that I'm fearful. I wake up in strength. I wake up in thankfulness, gratefulness, because God gives me that. Hey, I wouldn't be like that if I got detached from Jesus. I'd be scared and fearful too. I want to run away and find a, some land to live on by myself, selfishly. Dig a hole in the bunker with some fruit and that. No, no, no. In a time where everybody's running away, I'm running to the battle. All right? Good on you, ladies. I can see these ladies right at the front line. Here's Goliath over there and send out the 70 and 80 year olds because all the 16 and 30 year olds are scared. Got examples here. He says this. That's a good thing. Don't uh, lose your mind in this. Keep your, keep your head and um, either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means that the day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That's the great apostasy, the falling away. And the man of sin, that's the son of perdition, I'll talk about these, is revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, that he is worshipped, that's the beast, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. I, I love that. I'm going to just dwell on that before I finish that verse there. What's, what's restraining? What's holding back? What's the power that's resisting? Oh, it's beautiful. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And I'll just add my own word there. Governments. They, they are the ones that are peddling this stuff. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, that's the Antichrist, through the beast, whom the Lord will consume with his breath, that's the second coming of Christ, after the seven years of battle, by that time we would have been raptured. So, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. See, there it is. And those, so he's counterfeiting. Verse 9 is about him counterfeiting. He's heading for a big counter and counterfeit. I'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, and he says, Unrighteousness deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for that reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Okay, right. Here's the simple thing I said from the last thing about the beast. Leading up to people now identifying themselves with the enemy rather than Christ. That's just simple for people who don't know. If I was to put myself in two sides, or one, a choice out of two sides, um, if I was to find out who the enemy was and who the good are, it's simple. Christ and right, the devil. It's the old story. Yeah. And people don't like that one, but it's just so simple. So when you understand the battle is spiritual, then I am, I am under the, the compulsion of Christ to actually do his will and his purpose. Then the enemy, Satan, now is working through human subjects. So you have to understand this. So the human subjects that he's been working through and has now been revealed a lot more is evil governments who have set up liberal political power to bring in an ideology that is anti-Christ, namely socialism and communism. This is how you identify them. So they've eliminated more of the Christian influence, which has always been a civil Western society, or the Western world has been called the Western civilization based on Christian foundations. So all Western countries were based on Christian principle. We under the Westminster um, Constitution. In the Westminster Constitution, 
that comes from the Crown in England underpins the, uh, the political situation in New Zealand and the Commonwealth and all Western civilizations. You've got to listen to what I'm saying here. It's Christian. The foundation is Christian. That's what the Westminster is. That's why they have a Bible and judgments and say the whole truth, nothing. You put your hand on the Bible. That's why they had prayer in Parliament. And that's why that most of our laws were to be based on Christian ethic and principle. Now, can you see why Western worlds prospered better than, say, Eastern Bloc countries? Or, to put it frankly to you, countries who had another religion other than Christianity underpinning it. So if it was a Muslim country, a Hindu country, I'm telling you the truth. You look at the outcomes or the manifestation of holding those religions, whether it was in their political life or their social life, but you would see starvation, you would see a total ravaging of their land through famines and floods, and you would see civil wars, and usually a breakdown in family and a lot of bondage and enslavement. Am I not? Right. It is. And so you'll see most of the, the big immigration and the migrants that have come around the world, have not. you don't see them come out of America trying to run to get into India. You don't see them come from the Eastern Bloc and the Arab nations trying to run, uh, um, Australians trying to run into those countries, Arab countries. You don't see us trying to get our heart into the Sudan. <laughs> Who? None of us. Why? You don't see those countries go back that are in the Western world that are prospering and doing well go back to less. But those who have got less will always go to more. So that's the proof of it, and I'm telling you facts. That's facts. But the spiritual thing behind it is, what I'm telling you, that when God is in charge, then everything will prosper, health will be there, there will be no famines, no floods, no volcanoes, no earthquakes. So creation's at peace with itself because God is in charge. And because creation knows the Creator, and He created us as humans to be the sons of God, and eventually to have dominion, to rule and multiply. Man, I love this. Dear God. So when you have that, that's your climate change right there. That is your environmental peace right there because it is in God that we find our prosperity, our peace, our health, our power, and our future. The moment that's eroded, now I'm going somewhere, when that's, that's attacked and assaulted and when the foundations of any country, which is then any family that's, that puts that together, and then the individuals going right down to the father and the mothers who have got the God of their fathers and they're passing on the blessing and not the curse. So those homes and those families will not be separated or split apart like we see now. And you'll find that there will be no um, countries that are shattered. You only have that when you first of all remove God out of a country. When you remove God out of the classrooms and schools, when you remove God out of families and their homes, when you move God out of parliamentary prayer, when you take Christ out of everyday chatter and now you attack him and that you mock him and that you want to make fun of him, then you know your country has slipped from the protection of Christ and you've now given yourself to satanic powers. Hmm. That's where our world is. Our world is in siege today from Satan. And so the planet right now is in a position where it has moved Christ out and we refuse. So the anti-Christ spirit has moved into governments. Now this is what I talked about the other day in 1 John chapter 2. We talked about there was many antichrists now who has gone out into the world because of this is the last hour. So antichrist spirits is not the antichrist. The antichrist will empower the beast who is the one world ruler, the globalist, that all of these governments that are put in place who are now going to push the power toward a global government, a one world order, a, a global uh, economy, a one world religion, and a global military, so forth and so forth, right? What you're seeing here is just the ancient devil called Marduk, who was with Nimrod, who built the tower, the first socialist builder in the Bible, is in Genesis. So you see now 
what they've done. They've had to now weaken the church. <laughs> now, so, so the son of perdition that I talked about in 2 Thessalonians, I have to go quick because I, I, I will keep you too long. Am I going too quick or should I slow down? The son of perdition that I read to you in 2 Thessalonians and also the restraining power that's keeping everything now from coming apart. So I'll give this to you just off the top of my head quickly, the order of events. Right? So we've talked about the Antichrist. We've talked about many Antichrists. The Antichrist spirit is going to actually possess a man. That man is already somewhere in the world, in the Middle East, around to Europe. He's already been uh, groomed. He will eventually come into the position of the United Nations and all of these governments, the evil spirit that's driving them uh, with the socialism and to get people to a place of population control. And they've used that by um, lockdowns. It's not about a virus, believe me. The pandemic, if you see, is not damaging our countries. The governments are. And so when you understand the control they're wielding and the force, the coercion, and get into the place of mandates is conditioning a large populations in the country to get to the point where they're then compliant to be able to easily receive a path toward the mark. Now the beast can't be revealed or this one world leader until what's restraining. What the Bible talks about there's a there's a little log that's jamming the logs in the, the log jam. And it's not, it's, you know, that restraining power is the church. That's what it is. Paul was saying the church, but you just matter, I'll get to that if I can remember. But that church is not just the church because there is the spirit of the son of perdition. And perdition, you look up perdition in the dictionary, just easy. It's, only, it's one of the rare words that has only one uh, explanation or one meaning. You go to the dictionary, you get look for the meaning of um, ground. It's got a whole lot of meanings. Perdition only has one meaning. Spiritual ruin. That's what it means. Spiritual ruin. Spiritual ruin. Or the wrecking of your true spiritual side of your Christianity, but still can be religious. You can still be a church attender. You can still be a believer. Well, you need to hear this. Um, you, so... The son of perdition is actually working now. That spirit's job alongside of the anti-Christ spirits and governments. Okay, I'll give you that much. So the anti-spirits and governments are many working to the anti-Christ himself who will actually empower or possess this man. He'll be known as the beast. All right? He'll be a one world ruler. So these antichrists have been put into the world. They work with governments. That's how they got together, through de demons communicating. So their communications in the spirit, so that chapter 1 John chapter 2, I try and keep up with my brain and my mouth, says that these many spirits, antichrist spirits, are in like people like Jacinda Ardern and the Labour government. They got antichrist spirits. So the opposition guys and national and act and that have no power against those demons. When we go somewhere in two weeks' time, I'm not going down there to politically fight. I'm going down there with apostolic power. And, and all of us that I'm talking to, you're going with spiritual power that's, that's ignited by God himself. That's the way you cause wreckage in that camp. Right? If you try and do it the other way and be smart like scientists and professors and half-cut Christians, you'll lose. Because they're all in power. That's how they get there. How did this all happen, people say? How did we get to this place where we lost our jobs? How does 26,000 businesses collapse in eight months? How does she control a whole country and get intelligent thinking and a whole lot of people, you know, to slow down, go home for, for 100 plus days and stay locked up and nobody does anything? And, it, and in fact, most of the population has, has consented. And then now I'm going to get a syrup. I mean, I used to, I'm scared of an injection. I don't like injections, just naturally. So, you know, you go to the doctor, I've had a tetanus one and all that sort of stuff, but I only get one shot as a little kid. Not, not a lot, two and three and boosters and whatever, just one. I don't like needles. But it's like when they get the needle in the jab, the whole population goes, falls in love with a needle. It's like, you know. 
But our country's fallen in love with a needle like nobody else has before. Now I'm going to go really fruitcakey, okay? When I drove, I saw the, the um, Sky Tower the other day. It looks like one great big syringe. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny for a couple of minutes, right? And I'm thinking to myself, you look like a big syringe. Maybe that's the idol of this country because 90% now have taken the jab and they've been promised, look, you know, giving one jab to me and I say, oh, good, that's good for... Now they're saying, we're going to come for you again and give you two so you get double jab. Now they're talking about a booster. I'm imagining a booster jab is the size of the Sky Tower. Is it? I don't know. I'm just saying. And they're going to squirt this thing. What next? They're going to come with injections, you know, all over your arms and your legs. How, does, how do we all get here? Okay, it's, okay it's, one, it's a question for maybe just our little island, but it ain't because our cousins across the Tasman are all going through the same thing. These governments are all controlling lockdowns, mandates, taking jobs away, doing this and do that and giving, changing laws and legislations like it's just eating lolly out of a kid's hand, changing legislations overnight. Creating their laws to bind us up, to take away from us, to keep us down, take away our ability to hug each other, take away your ability to see off our loved ones and to grieve. Who can get away with all that for two, 24 months, not just New Zealand, not just Australia, but the world? You've got to understand it's not a human thing. Yes. They'd have to be on the phone and, and, and uh, communication about every day about you know, the variants that are coming out. Oh, here comes the next one, you know. How do they all know? How do they all know to prepare for it? How do the, these health officials give the information in America and Canada and Europe, all those countries, Africa, Australia, around the world, because the only way they can communicate like that and exactly know the next move, how to give a little bit of freedom to get the crowd fooled and then to bring them back into some control and begin, begin their out working their agenda is through demons. It's the only way. Same way I communicate with God and the Spirit. The counterfeit is Satan communicates principalities and powers. Where? In heavenly places. So he's the prince of the power of what? Air. Airwaves. So he's the prince. He's a demon prince of airwaves, of the air. It's talking about broadcasting and communication. Demons that communicate with the instant of a, of a flash of light, they can put a thought in a person's mind. Not as fast as God gives me revelation, though. So I'm faster than a demon. So are you, if you are wired inside. So I'm ahead. So I've got to be ahead because Satan can't create. He's, he was created. But God is the creator. So he gives his creation abilities to his image and his likeness which is you and me, he does not give that to devils. Devils can only watch me and investigate me and learn off me. They can only watch the behavior of humans and then to counterfeit it and use it against them. Right, so you understand. So this, the son of perdition is now working on what's restraining or resisting the enemy. The devil wants to break open on the earth. He wants to control it now. He wants to kill millions now. He wants to rush this plan through now because he knows that God is starting to work too. So it's intensity of it. So only sons can get this. You've got to understand the word perdition is spiritual ruin. So it's talking about the spirituality. It's talking about those who are spiritual and not religious. That's the difference. So you can be going to church. You can even be a follower of Jesus and sing about Jesus, say Jesus' name, like those sons of Sceva did. Who are you casting these demons out? And these demons were casting out the demons by the, the same Jesus that Paul is using. Remember those demons attacked them? Because they, they discerned and recognized who were true Christians and who were false. Who were religious people, Christians, and who were sons of God. Who were true apostles and who were fake pastors, reverends, and leaders. Right. That's what perdition means. The son of perdition, 
has been anointed by Satan himself to work on what he knows is already in the church today is fakes. Fakes, clowns, counterfeiters, idiots, spiritual W's. I, well, you, you tell me. We, you can tell, tell me when people start to let the church and religion allow their enemy into it. And then start to, then what that son of perdition is doing, and what the, I told you about that when the Spirit comes into these governments, the first thing they did was to try and kill the church and kill, kill the true sons of God. Because Romans 18, 8, 18 and 19 says that the glory that shall be revealed, the coming glory, the light, the radiance that will come from within. So there's a, a better within and there's a better without. So something that's coming that's better than what we have is going to radiate. So what people are seeing coming from Destiny Church and ourselves is a radiation that comes through that they can't discern. So the devil used to try and kill us off with a lot of bitterness and hate. Now you understand? So Antichrist spirits have attacked me and Destiny Church long before we arrived to here to do a Acts chapter 14 verse 2. When the apostles were in a certain city, you read Acts 14 too? I should read it for you really. And it says that when they were speaking, the apostles, that certain Jews, those who were the Jews are the religious people, started to put the poison the minds of those who, who were starting to listen to the apostles. That's the word it uses. They started to poison the minds. And I saw that and I thought, I got you, foul things. I know what you did. You tried to pre-poison the population against the true and then you exalted and elevated the false. So that the big mainline churches and other, even Pentecostal churches, started to now connect to the wickedness of what Jacinda Ardern is in and the Labour government is. They started to collude and come together. So now you see evil politics mixed with false religion. Man, is this too much? I can, we can have lunch. Right? You okay? Well, I spent, I'm speaking it in the atmosphere because you'll forget a lot of this, but just keep, just hold on. Cause, so what happens is, as long as I know this, because I'll lead us, that's how I lead. So you understand now, the true has is, is got to be raised because the spirit, this perdition that happens in the end times, so the heat of it's on the church now. So many churches are starting to segregate. Segregation is not of Christ. I, I don't, what I would say, I put one, I did put a, t a tweet out in a message to say that any leader, any church that segregates his church is not of Christ. And the people who get involved in that, you need to get out of that church. That's what I said. Now, I'm not talking about church um, loyalty to a church and a thing or whatever. If the church is bad and you stop being loyal to what's wrong. You don't be loyal to bad when you find out. Your loyalty ceases. And so Christ does not segregate. He says all people. No, no terms was the church ever, whether it was Gentiles or non-Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles, all showing no partiality. The apostle said, making no prejudice or partiality over anybody, no matter what the circumstances is. So I have to adjust my church to facilitate vaccinated and unvaccinated. Brown, white, yellow, red, blue, and whether you are you or not, okay? I don't care. You are welcome. So I'll welcome a monster in my church, but he won't stay long unless he gets converted. Would you have the dirt devil in you? So yeah, would you have prostitutes? Absolutely. Would you have, would you have drug users? Absolutely. And I've already had them there. I'm talking to some ex-ones, you know? And all of us have had mistakes and sins. That is the house of God. That is the true church. Not remaining like that, though. You're turning slaves into sons. You're turning servants into sons of God. So there is a classification of a certain Christian that's related to the fact is that they are sons. They know in their heart that they are born to radiate something special. Right? Hope while everybody else is in hell. We're bringing power and peace to a world that's in turmoil and wounded. You understand those things. It's very important. 
We're a people who are bringing the message of faith, the message of Christ, the message of something that they're all looking for. But the way that comes about is very interesting and starting to see now how that there, there's a big war going on. War of worlds. War of words. Psychological warfare. The fear. But we have faith. So it's really important. Okay. Now, let me just finish by saying all of this because now I've just given you an idea of where the enemy is going to try and uh, array their armies. So when we talk about, I think I saw that the, this group called um, the Freedom and Coalitions Group, they had arranged this thing on the 16th. I heard about, I read it somewhere. And um, what, what I saw then was something incredible because I started to discern from my position and seeing what they were doing, they were going to the seat of power on the 16th. Oh, it's been done before. Now this one's different. This is what I saw from a biblical perspective. What they were doing was actually incredible, perfect timing. That timing is not about going to one institution to say you're doing this and that wrong. This is actually a confrontation of our spiritual powers that have gone into a place to seat themselves and to claim a country and a nation and put it under the bewitching of the Antichrist spirit. The Antichrist spirit is simply, and I've taught you this, the Antichrist spirit, and 1 John has explained correctly, because a lot of people think Antichrist, isn't it? I suppose he's against Jesus. Yeah, but it's not like that. The Antichrist spirit, you'll know it when it says this, that the spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the, is in the flesh, that God had come in the flesh, is the spirit of God. The Antichrist spirit is, is opposed to anything human that would have claim to divine nature. See, oh, you got it now? I'll explain that a bit more. The Antichrist spirit doesn't mind Christians singing songs and hymns. You praying and fasting, reading the Bible and going to church and clapping and saying hallelujah. As long as you don't get this revelation, that as a human, you have the right to understand that God lives in you, walks in you, and lives and walks through you. So do you understand now? So the devil's not against you gathering like this and getting a message of being a Christian. He's against you thinking about John chapter 10. Verse 30, when Jesus was challenged by all the Pharisees, Sadducees, and everybody said, you know, we don't like what you're doing. And he said, why? And he said, well, they said to him, because you're going around doing things that we don't mind. We don't mind you feeding the hungry. We don't mind you healing diseases and sicknesses. We don't even mind you casting out devils. All the good work, because he said, well, what good work do you stone? Because they wanted to stone him. They had stones in his hands. And he said, for what good work do you want to stone me? Now, don't forget they saw Jesus as just like you looking at me or your neighbor, who's just the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Jesus said this in verse 30, and this is what started the whole controversy, and this is the, the Antichrist spirit, and it's everything that makes everything out there in the world, your friends, your mother, your grandmother, your child, your wife, your husband, all suddenly look at you twice. Are you ready for it? He said, me and my father, I and my father are one. And that's only the beginning. He said, I and my father are one. So all the Pharisees and the religious people and the politicians and the people and everyone looked at him and said, what did you just say? He said, I and my father are one. So there's the first step that they yelled out, blasphemy. That's what they did. And they had the rocks ready to stone him. So you don't stone me for feeding the hungry, for curing people, for healing people, casting out demons, making better lives. No. Actually, these demonic governments want you to do that. They want Christians to be a Salvation Army style religion. But no spirituality. Salvation Army were known for good works. And people like that. They could go in the pubs and ask people for money. But Brian Tamaki go in the pub and ask for money? You get a Salvation Army man with his hat on, he asks for money, they give it to him. Drunken, haters, whatever else, and everybody just... Brian Tamaki walked in there, they would all rush me and beat me up. 
What's the difference? We're supposed to be both Christian organisations. Because that one says, we do good works, we reach out and we love. This Brian Tamaki says, him and the Father are one. Go a step further, shall I? See, the devils don't mind you being a nice Christian, feeding the hungry and doing good works and even healing people. But the moment you say, well, me and my Father are one, then you're on a path to glory, but a path to hate. So what do they do next? They say, how dare you? We're going to stone you now. And he says, for what? They said, because you've been, um, John chapter 10, verse 30, 31, 32, 33. Okay, just had a couple of unbelievers push back in the camera. Right. So it says that the next thing they said was, we're stoning you because you being a mere man, make yourself God. Right. So what does he do? He turns around and he says to them, um, don't you know that as the scripture is written in your scriptures, and he's now, he, they should really stone him now because he's going to move himself from being somebody who's just there as a 33-year-old. And he says, don't you know that I said? Now he's going, he said, I. He's, now he's saying he's God in the distant thousands, thousands of years ago. I had said that you are gods. Oh, now you've got Jesus, who is God inside this flesh, telling these mere humans that he had called them gods. What he's saying, the divine nature is in you. And you're trying to make God and you separate. And me and God separate. I know that the Father is a Father, but me and the Father are one. And like Thomas said, okay, Jesus, show us the Father. He says, you've been looking at me this long? Are you getting me? So now he says, you guys want to stone me because I said I'm the Son of God, and yet I called you gods. He's talking about human gods. He's talking about a walking God in the flesh. Now, that's what the devil hates, is that revelation getting into your human brain, that God is wanting you to walk as a son and manifesting the nature of God himself through your life. So I've tried to say to people, and walking that walk is difficult, but that's my secret weapon. That is why I have courage. That is why I have faith. That is why I don't fear the future. That is why I love what I'm in. When everybody else wants to run away from the battle, I want to run to it. When everybody is scared, I am full of laughter and faith because this is our moment. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? And, and if no weapon that that devil forms against you is going to succeed, look, it's not going to succeed. Why wouldn't you walk like a winner even when it doesn't look like you're winning? Even when I don't see that it's winning, I still know I've won. I might be confused in my mind, but I only try and hold that fleetingly. But I always live in the depth of that God is walking in me. God is working through me. God is speaking through me. God is touching through me. How do we know, how do we know God? Jesus says, he, 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 we know God the Father through Jesus. That's how we, you know. How do people know Jesus? Through me, through you. So God had to be known. So what did he do? He had to become a human. Christmas Day is about a little baby having God in it. Because how are your friends going to know God? Don't you dare point to the, the stars and, and the, you know. Yeah. I'll never forget that story. When I, my son said, where's, where's God, Daddy? And I knew that I had counted this problem before. And most dads say, well, he's up there in heaven somewhere. And if you pray, you'll find him. Or he's everywhere. I said, he's in me, son. Yeah. And my boy looked up and said, is he? I said, yeah, look. And I had to have a look of God. <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, he's in me, son. So when you watch me and hear me, God's in me. And the little Sam, you know Sam, my son, he was intrigued. He's intrigued by it. See, kids don't go and say, you're not God. And God you know, parents teach kids to stray away from God and put him, make God some unknown, mysterious, fresh air. So when you point to fresh air, the kids are not going to stay in the God of their fathers. But I went away and I said to my wife, I said, oh, shucks, I better pull my socks up. <laughs> you know, I, I've got to be a good example. See, so it was a great, great pressure on me, positive. 
And it was for my son now, he had something he could see, touch, feel, and want to be. Is it little wonder that my son Sam wanted most of all to be a pastor like his father, speak like his dad? He got to know the God of his father because the God of his father was living in his father. Don't you ever say to people, go and find God out there somewhere for yourself. Let them see him in you. That's all I do. I don't need to go shouting. Don't you dare go and say you're God, you'll get killed. <laughs> but I go around by my life and by what I do, giving and speaking and how I hold myself and present myself that you're enriched with God, that you're doing everything. That's the Antichrist spirit. He doesn't want that type of Christian to come through. He'll let all the others come through and eventually they've weakened, they've compromised because how can you make it if you don't believe that God is in you? Then you're on your own. I don't so much, you know, speak about him. I speak for him. There's a difference. A lot of people speak about Jesus and that. I speak for him. You have to you have to work this out yourself, you know. You have to come to the to the um thing of it. People pray to him. I don't really pray to him, I talk to him like a father. Early hours of the morning, I'll go out and we have a good conversation. I'll walk around with my hands in my pocket sometimes, sit on a chair, and I'm talking ordinary. Like, you know, why, why can't this happen? Why didn't you do this for me at that time? And I'm, I like that, what you said, you know. And I'll say to him, what do I do tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day? What's going to happen down there? How are we going to do this? Could you please tell me? And sit down and I might have a drink of water. And then that's how I do it. And I listen, 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 listen. Listen, you know, tell him I love him. And I always feel his love back. And I say, I want the best. I want this and I want that. That's how I'm talking. Dad, help me get it. Give me it to Give it to me. I'm your favorite son, aren't I? If I'm not now, I'm going to make myself tomorrow that, you know. And that's what I'm talking to him. So you imagine how your, you would feel as your son or daughter was asking you like that. And you love them. Doesn't a father really love his son and his daughter so much that they want to give them everything? Especially when that son and daughter treats their parent, that father, like the world. Because the, the thing the father wants to do is to give everything he has to his son. Whew. Wow. I'm ready for that. Okay. We got off the creepy part a bit. <laughs> But let's, let's just sort of bring it to a close and maybe in bringing that through to this understanding now that you and I, if we, you know, I'm a son of God, I'm actually holding back the beast from manifesting. All the global events that Jacinda and in Biden and all of the Canadian president and all those ones over there are actually beholden to what we do. You know, the, the, all the banks, the economy, the world elite, the elites of this world, I don't really care what their tag is. I care about their souls, but I don't care about their... That I am and you are in the position of constraining this because the next event for a Christian is the rapture. We won't probably actually front on the beast if you're a real Christian because God's got a battle for these ones, these sons, to, to manifest, Right? And they will, we will be involved in actually pulling as many people out of that, that hellhole, that fire, um, before the rapture comes. The rapture can happen any time. So we can finish this meeting and suddenly we're gone. Right? And we come back uh, in the seven years that follow. As soon as we disappear and we go off to the Lord and have an incredibly huge celebration, um, he's readying us to come back during what starts the tribulation. So as soon as we go, the beast will manifest. The Antichrist will come out and he'll empower that man and he'll take world control, rulership over all the world. Done through the setup of all these governments now that are pushing it toward um, population control. So it'll be one world. It's going back to what Nimrod built in the beginning. Three and a half years through, um, it's a reasonable, uh, horrible time for many people who are left behind. Some of them will be our family members. They'll have a chance to know Christ because 
God will unleash the 144,000 that's talked about in Revelations. The 144,000 Jews who are filled with the Holy Ghost will do signs, wonders and miracles, but their sole thing is that they will save as many souls and humans. Isn't that God's grace? Who are so hardened to our message that they couldn't give themselves, and we're gone. They will work hard and they will save literally millions. But there are unfortunately millions who are so hard. Then the next three and a half years is going to be hell. And what's unleashed on them is the great whore. In Revelations, that's God. And the Revelation, the great whore and the beast himself will multiply the energy of their murder, their cruelty and their destruction on the nations and the rest that are living. And right at the end of the seven years, Christ is going to be sitting with us. We won't know time because we're in eternity. But we're suddenly now in our new bodies. And he's going to say, now we're going back. And that's the, um, the fight or the defeat of the beast, the whore. And he'll bring in the thousand-year millennial reign. Now, after the thousand-year millennial reign will come the new Jerusalem. And we'll live on the earth forever and ever. I've just given you a wrap-up of end times very quickly. Okay, that's it. <laughs> in a nutshell. So we've got a job to do, though. And what we're doing right now is so beautiful. So the crowds of people that we've been involved in in the Freedom and Rights Coalition that I've loved to go and see and be involved in that team that's doing that, um, the wonderful thing when I've had the opportunity to be there and speak is to see so many other people who are hungry. I believe people are hungry everywhere for light. They want love. They want to know where there's certainty. And they want to know a future and a hope. My job and your job is that we are able to hold our line, to grow our spiritual faith and understand who you are. And our Christ spirits will not be able to touch those who had that revelation I just gave you. You can't just be a Christian or a religious person. The son of sedition is now working his spiritual power to cause churches to actually apostatize. And the great apostasy is many Christians giving up Christ to compromise for money and for a guaranteed freedom of a life that they believe they're going to get from him. They won't. So, there we go. That's the great reset that the world and the spirit of sedition is using on the world today. What God is doing is raising up the sons of God to manifest. That's the beautiful thing about this. Well, thank you very much for listening. We're going to have lunch together. I'm going to have lunch with these beautiful people. You have a beautiful lunch. Hope you enjoyed that. You probably have to go over parts of it. I did rattle it quick, but I think you got the spirit of what I was saying. And uh, I just want to say, I'll just say one thing. One thing before we finish, before you go. Only what's restraining, resisting now, it's holding back the events of God and the earth is us. This particular, I, I just felt, you know, I'm going to talk, I've talked a little bit to my father about it. And I said, well, if that 2, two Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 6, Father, you're saying for what's restraining now. Some say it's been the Holy Spirit and... Um, a certain antichrist, but it's not the antichrist because he's going to be there after. It's not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit stays for those people and the 144,000. And some have said it's not because it says he who restrains. And they think the church is feminine because of the bride. But it isn't. And bride's never been feminine. The illustration of bride, Jesus' bride, has been illustrative because it says about the body of Christ. Jesus is a man, a male. He's not a female. God had a son, not a daughter. God's not a mother. He's a father. Right? So the church is called he in Ephesians 2. is called one man. Right? And the body of Christ is, is the head is, is a male. If you put it and make the, the church a bride, fem, feminine, then you've got a warped mutation of, of Jesus. So you understand that? So he who is restraining is, is us, right? Now, do you know that you can actually begin to 
not metal, but you can actually have a part in, in the timetable of the world and its events and God's. Because he says, until what's restraining it is removed. In other words, everything's going to start to go pear-shaped when the rapture happens, but that's taken us out of the way to protect us and to give us that mission later. But I think we can prolong it. Or you can shorten it. Some of my brothers in this and are saying around the world, take us out now, please, Lord. I'm saying, oh, no. No. Because... I'd say that God's got some adventure. He has, he's got some of the best days for, for this select group of the remnant that are these ones who will be like walking human gods on the earth. I believe we've got a huge task. We can hold back. Imagine you're holding back the beast. You can say to all of these theories, just hold on a moment because I have not decided that that's going to happen yet because together there's a very strong portion of this church in this country that's saying to the Father, not yet, Dad. We want to do some amazing miracles. We want to turn our country around. We, want to, we just want to meddle with the beast plan and the Antichrist plan and the one world government's plan. And We just want to poke our nose in there. And Brian Tamaki and Destiny Church want to be a pest to all that they're doing. We want to be the log jam, the log that jams the logs. I want a little bit more playtime. I want to see some miracles done first. I want to see some amazing miracles come from the body. I want us to see, turn up a nation, turn it over, turn it around, totally remove what even you might have planned. And I know they're a part of the one world order and that beast that must happen, but can we play with it for a while? In Jesus' name, amen. What do you reckon? <laughs> okay, we've got that. God bless you all. Hey, if you've enjoyed this, share it right now with your friends and that's got some vital information. And have a happy lunch, happy day. May the peace of God now reign in your heart and get ready for the best time of your life. Amen. Amen. See you. Amen. Bye. Awesome.